It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Hey everyone, welcome to Reality TV Rehap Ups for this 10th episode of Season 8 of The Amazing Race Canada. I am Jessica Lisa. I'm here to espouse the seven critical podcasting values of... You ready for this, Dan? Analysis, eloquence, attention to detail, nitpicking, spitballing, irreverence, and never ever using your computer's internal mic. With me every week, of course, to break down everything that happened this week, is a guy who's always in the pocket, Mr. Dan Heaton. Wow, I, I was not expecting that. Now, can you do that while like crawling with your face in mud? Can you remember all of that and say it again? I can only remember it because I wrote it down. <laughs> I didn't even do an obstacle course, and I'm pretty sure I couldn't remember it right now. <laughs> Which one is the last number? Which one is the last <laughs> one? Is it fairness? No. <laughs> we are fair also and have lots of integrity, though, Jess. Definitely fairness and integrity, but... You know, I didn't want to I didn't want to encroach on the territory of the military too much. No stolen valor on this podcast, for sure. Never. Instead, the internal mic is worse than any of those that they had. If you mess that up. So um, that's true. So- you definitely get a dishonorable discharge from RHAP. <laughs> if you use your computer's internal mic. Don't do it. Never. Never, ever. So, Dan, we were talking before we started recording about the fact that this season feels like it has been going on for 9,000 years. And I want to know, why Why is that? You know, it's weird because I was so, I'm, I mean, again, this is not saying it's like a bad season or whatever, but I was so excited. We hadn't had a season for a long time. I like these teams. And yet I did kind of look at it and I was like, I don't know if it has to do with just the, the craziness with COVID or whatever, or just, um, you know, the non-eliminations and all the things that were out of their control or not leaving Canada, which they know they've done before or what. But there is some point where even though we did lose a team this week, we're still get to this point. And there, the stakes felt much higher this week. I enjoyed this. But where I'm like, episode 10, huh? Okay. <laughs> it seems like we should be on like episode 16 at this point. But I don't know if that's the season or if that's just things out of the control of the show. Yeah, it's like, what is this Amazing Race Australia? <laughs> it's like we're on episode fifteen and we have fourteen teams left. What? I don't understand. <laughs> this has never happened in Amazing Race history. Yeah, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> I don't know who any of these people are. I don't understand. Uh, I still i I can't name very many. Amazing Race Australia teams. That's why we don't podcast about that one. It's just like, I feel like there is room for a podcast out there to be explaining who all the people are and what exactly happened so that you don't have to plow through three hours of TV a week. But it's not something I have the bandwidth for. So we're going to keep it close to home and talk only about our neighbors to the north this week, Dan. I have to think that part of the reason that feels like this season has gone on forever is just that 
there's not a lot of closure. Usually when you have any competition reality show, and I think they figured this out 20 plus years ago, that the thing that keeps the forward momentum going on any competition reality show is who will be eliminated tonight. And in this season of Amazing Race Canada, the question of who will be eliminated tonight rarely got answered. It was like, okay, we'll get rid of three teams for a week and then bring them back two weeks later. Then, you know, we'll have a non-elimination leg. We'll bring back some teams to replace those teams. We'll eliminate the teams. And it just, it felt like a never-ending revolving door of teams. And you eliminated the same teams like twice a piece. And now we're finally, they assure us that next week is going to be the last episode of the season, but I still don't know if every part of me believes that. <laughs> well, you know, the one thing that felt really different this week was we've had so many times with the same teams finishing last. And, and you know, even though we did have Catherine and Craig return, Catherine and Craig never finished last. These five teams this week, besides Brendan and Connor, who were just like off to the sunset for most of this week, all the teams in trouble had not been in trouble really all season. So you have these teams that are like Fernella and Beverly and Veronica and, and Jesse and Marika. And you're like, wow, this is like stakes. These teams, these teams haven't faced this at all. So this week felt different, but again, you know, even though they thought it might be a double elimination and I was paying very attention to the words John was using that we knew that wasn't going to happen. But then John's like, this is great. We're taking forward to the finale. And I'm like, very happy for Fernella. Nice moment. But I'm like, yeah, we still have four and they're all going to make the finish line. This is not what we expected. There's no Phil walks out from behind a wall after <laughs> one pass and eliminates the wrestlers. There's nothing like that. No, it's it felt like it felt kind of improvised. If we're being honest, it felt like maybe they got to leg 10 and they started counting on their fingers and they realized, oh, wait. Next, the next leg is the final leg. What are we going to do? We still have five teams out here on the course. Do we eliminate two of them this week or do we just let an extra one go through? What do we do? And that was their solution. They're just letting an extra one go through. I feel like this is going to slow down the finale in a big way because one of the flaws, and I think we've discussed this before, one of the flaws of any final leg of any amazing race is that you get your best emotional moment and then you have like 15 minutes of falling action where you have them reacting to winning, but then you have to watch the other two teams react to not winning and that you have to show the winning team finishing before the two teams that didn't finish. That is an absolute necessity of this kind of storytelling, but it's also, it drags it down toward the end a little bit. It's like, you don't want that last moment to be the third place team finding out they're in third place. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. And I think we talked about this last week where now with four, it's like, okay, this episode's only 43 minutes without commercials or so. And I don't believe, I don't think this is two hours. They typically don't do that on Amazing Race Canada. So I assume it's just a one hour finale, 43 minutes. Um, unless they really move through those last quick or they're all like right on top of each other, which rarely happens in finales. We rarely have foot races or anything else unless they kind of manufacture something with putting like a memory or can't really do that or some similar type of task at the very end in front of the finish line. And I don't always love that because then it can, 
I don't know. It doesn't seem to allow for as much like if you have five or six tasks, it's different. I know I'm kind of jumping around, but basically the odds aren't great. So the only thing I can think of is the editors better be working full time to, to try to minimize that. And which is unfortunate because they all might have good stories, but I think we, we know all the stories pretty well. So I don't know how much we need to nail those down again for like the fourth place team. Yeah, there would have to be a significant change of circumstances to merit like a whole bunch of backstory going into the finale. Like, I think it's like, these are your teams. If you don't know them by now, like, how much do you really need to know? Right. And these are all the teams where we've probably, I mean, heard the most where, I mean, no offense to any of the teams that have been eliminated. I mean, especially like, like Court and Alley, for example, they have, they have their story. But we have these four teams left, and I know, um, especially with several of the teams, really with Catherine and Craig and with Brunella, I feel like we've gotten so much attention on that we we get the gist and we've enjoyed watching them, all four of them, no offense to anyone else, but let's just do Amazing Race Canada. Let's go, We're going to start the finale. We're going to do like 28 tasks, and then we have like three <laughs> minutes left. They win, and then everybody's like, Where's everybody else? And then they just kind of drop in and maybe there's a little thing at the bottom that says second, third, fourth. They give hugs. We're done. I don't think that's how it's going to work, but that would be fun. Yeah. They need to montage that up. You're right. <laughs> just nice like music. <laughs> yeah. Have like the voiceover is the first place team saying how much they've learned and what a great experience it's been. Use that over the shots of the second, third and fourth place teams checking in at the mat. And then, like, maybe everybody gets one sound bite about this has been the most incredible adventure of the summertime in Canada, et cetera, et cetera. I have learned so much about my partner and myself. <laughs> well, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I don't want to make too many predictions because I think I think I know where this is going. But I guess should we talk about the episode itself and what happened? Because I did feel more stakes here. I felt like um I have some quibbles with the tasks themselves, a few of them, but I feel like um, by the end, like we could really feel how much this meant to the team. Yeah, this had the, this definitely had the feel of like the survivor episode after you've finished pagonging the minority Alliance. And now the Alliance has to turn on itself and what are they going to do? Nobody really knows. I think going into this, it did feel like we there was less of a certainty of what was going to happen. And it looked like everybody was a little bit shaken up because of that. Like you saw, you saw a lot of emotions coming out for sure. Yeah. And also because the one benefit of the teams not knowing that it would be a single elimination was you saw it on the faces of the teams that finished two, three, four. I mean, Becky and Veronica knew they, they got lost. They were way behind. I think from what I could tell, but two, three and four, when they hit the mat, they all thought they might be gone. Even Catherine and Craig thought they were okay, but they weren't sure because they got lost. So that that fake double elimination actually led to good drama because even you know John got to use his bad poker face at the end. But even before that, it was like teams the whole day thought, I've got to be third. And when you have a face-off, which was a very smart move to put it in this leg, I thought, especially because you don't normally see it with five, it's usually six or eight or whatever. That I felt like was smart because it added, I mean, again, I think some of it was on the fly and I think the show got a little lucky, but I think that it did lead to some good drama in the leg. Yeah, I think there were two things at play here, Dan. One was the pressure of thinking you had to be third or higher. 
And two, there was such a huge spread. Like you saw Brendan and Connor check in and it was still pretty light outside. Then it is pitch black by the time Beverly and Veronica crossed the finish line. It was, there were, I think there were literal hours, which, you know, in previous legs, we've seen everybody check in within like 10 minutes of each other. So that was also kind of refreshing. And I know why they don't like that to happen, but I think every once in a while it needs to happen because it makes, it makes things feel a little bit, the racers don't know what's going on. So it makes them feel like they have a little bit more pressure. It, it raises the stakes in that regard. Yeah. And I think this golf course must've been pretty hard to find. You know, they, they weren't able to use their OnStar app at that point. I think they had to actually figure it out because everybody got there and just seemed very confused except for Brenda Connor. But those other teams, I mean, they couldn't find, then you had to find the certain hole and the whole thing. And I know we're way ahead, but still it's like, I noticed it too, where it did seem like, I mean, there was a few times during this leg where it's like drive 75 kilometers and stuff. So it was a long day already. And, but this just, um, I like that though, when it's not like, okay, you finished the task, your pit stops five feet away. Now, granted that can be fun for a foot race, but usually it's like, oh, now, cause there was a flipping in, in the placement just with the driving, which didn't end up impacting it, but it could have, if there was a double elimination. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it kind of harkens back to the old school days of amazing race when you had a team drive 300 miles in the wrong direction. (laughs) That felt like something, you know, when you're, when your leg of the race spans the entire province of Ontario, you leave it open for a team to make a catastrophic error on that magnitude. Well, you know, speaking of exciting things, um, so what do you think about everyone? The Amazing Race, has any show ever enjoyed watching people drive sports cars more than The Amazing Race? I mean, how many times, Jess, has this happened? And it's always a roadblock, and it's always um, not my favorite thing, I will say. You know, Dan, it's one of those tasks that they put in just because it's fun for the racers. Like They don't expect anybody to actually get tripped up on it. They don't expect it to affect placement. They just, it's its a treat. We're throwing them a freaking bone. You know, they have been dancing for us like monkeys for three weeks. Let's let one of them drive really fast around a track. Yeah, that is true. And I do appreciate, yeah, I think the show probably didn't expect even Franca, where she just hit the brake a little bit, not hard enough, where it really seemed like, and even then, all it really cost them, it really didn't, if they had, it cost them 10 minutes because they would have been on flight two from um, Guru time, you know, as Brendan Connor called it, <laughs> um, instead of flight, flight three. So it cost him 10 minutes, which could have made a difference. But really, I think the show was kind of thinking of it as, and um, my, another thing I don't always love is really the order of that they went while driving was determined by they came out and it was how quickly someone had to run like 30 feet because they were all right on top of each other. So I'm glad that didn't play a bigger role because that would have been unfortunate, but putting it at the beginning, again, this almost felt like us, like there was another one that we did. It was like a sponsorship task. Oh, the Marshalls one in Toronto, similar type thing. They did at the beginning of the leg, didn't really affect placement, but again, this was a sponsorship one because it was the cool Chevys. Yeah. That's like, Hey, everybody, you get to drive the fun car that you're not going to win at the end of the race. (laughs) Not the ZR2. Nope. You don't get a ZR2 around the racetrack. (laughs) No, I I believe that when Dave and Connor won season 24 of the U.S. version, 
I believe they got Ford Mustangs, which is like the Ford equivalent of this Corvette Stingray. And I feel like they should at least let you pick which which Chevrolet car you're going to win. And I feel like everybody would pick this one. But, you know, if you want to be an ambassador for Canada, like John Montgomery, wouldn't you want the giant truck, though? Wasn't that what you want to be the summertime ambassador? I guess you want the giant electric truck. I think that's the play. Because then you're like, I love the environment, but I'm also, you know, repping Canada. <laughs> I always like repping Canada. That, that's what we do here. That's what we do here. A couple of <laughs> Americans repping Canada. You know, the U.S. is really more known for its obscenely large gas guzzling monstrosity pickup trucks. It's just like we we are both urban Americans who don't usually see these things. Yeah, no, for me, they'd be like, you could have the Chevy Volt or, or Chevy Bolt. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, the electric car. You could have the small electric car. And I'd be like, that's great. You know, what am I going to do with this giant truck? I don't haul lumber around. <laughs> that's not really what I do. Look, I haven't been behind the wheel of a car since 1997. So, you know, this would all be lost on me. I'd be like, I'm taking the cash equivalent. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think John would be very disappointed. But I think I think it's the right move. Well, should we move on to the roadblock, though, at this point? Yeah, we can talk about the roadblock. I don't know how much there is to say. Um, the one thing I noticed was, you know, props to Jesse and Marika for really balancing the number of roadblocks here because they were the only ones that weren't told who has to do the roadblock. I've never seen that. And I said move on to the roadblock. It's the one we're actually talking about now. But that where they've had four different team members and they've said, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. And there were several last week that had to do it that way too. court and another person that had to do it, too. So these teams have not been balancing as well as some. I guess not. And I, I can see where Craig and Catherine in particular got ran into this trouble because I think Craig was very content to let Catherine do any task that looked like it was going to be fun. And I think she was probably pretty jealous about having to do about not getting to do this one either yes but chuck ramsey is very proud of his son you know he never let craig drive i mean come on come on let let craig drive the corvette but so he got to do this um (laughs) you know is that a five hole if your dad had a corvette does that does that count no it only counts if you had a corvette and you screwed up (laughs) and even if you had one is that enough or you have to be like the corvette expert i think yeah, I think, yeah, you have to have at least like maybe you're a hobbyist who builds them in your garage. That's like the baseline. Yeah. So. um, So, yeah, we had we had this this task and teams every most teams finished with a lot. I mean, you know, we had we had the case where one Franca, even after missing, only finished with a second to spare. Where I was like, oh, goodness. But then the teams, of course, split into buses and you had the case where or it was the planes, excuse me, though there are question marks about that. But you had a case where you have one team, because I was trying to figure this out with five, or how are they going to do it? Are they going to do two, two, one? But you don't want to put one team by themselves. So Brendan and Connor get their own plane. Then it's Jesse, Marika, and Catherine, and Craig. And then Beverly and Veronica and Fernella, who seem to be getting along fine. So again, all that drama, I don't know. But um, now we're moving on to our next task, which involves an interesting setup with an area with a lot of shipwrecks. I don't know. I thought this task was kind of interesting. 
Yeah, it's interesting that there's a whole park like around shipwrecks and part of the attraction is getting to go in the water. It's like, <laughs> I think we've proven something about the water. I don't know if you really want to go in there. 22. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, I was just reading about I was just reading about there's a place in Namibia that also you can go and um, the, the entire beach is just littered with shipwrecks. I like don't it's know. telling you something about visiting that area. <laughs> and they even had the separate area where they went with the four that were all the same type of boat. So it's like, okay, if you're separating the area by types of boats, hmm, mm-hmm. I hope these are all very old boats. I mean, honestly, if I'm driving a tugboat and there is an area that is known for wrecking four other tugboats, I'm going to give that a wide berth. Like, I'm going to go to, like, the entire opposite end of Lake Huron if I have to. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. But it was interesting because then one, it wasn't a roadblock. It was split up. But one team member had to swim in the water where apparently it was very, very cold. But, um, and, and find four numbers that were their color. And then they would yell them out. And all teams kind of did it differently. And, you know, when it was just one team, it was easy. But as multiple teams got there, got a little weird and some would just read one number and they write it down. Others would keep repeating it over and over, but um, some of them didn't yell names. So it got a little weird. And I don't know. I found that interesting just that they had to do that. And it did seem like there was a pattern. It wasn't totally random. The actual combination. And what I didn't understand was why wasn't everybody yelling names? Were they not allowed to yell names? I don't know because I mean, you did see, though, here's what I think they were, because Beverly and Veronica, Beverly would like, you know, they'd yell the name and the number. And then Frank and Nella just yelled the number and they're like 100 feet away. So that's where there was the issue, at least from what we could tell, where they, she said four, but that was actually not her. It was the other team. And I think it also happened to be that those two teams were there at the exact same time, where some of the other teams arrived a little earlier or whatever, and maybe weren't. But also, I did see again, that it seemed like some teams like Jesse and Marika again were very good about just like, I think it was Jesse who was very good about just like repeating them over and over and over. So if you missed it once, they would say all three numbers or all four or whatever. So it seemed less likely where I think too, Fernella coming in on that last bus along with Beverly and Veronica, I said bus again, my goodness on the last arrival time, flying guru, bus, guru, guru energy, thing, whatever guru oh energy, flying bus. Yes, but basically they arrived on the thing and um, I think they were a little more stressed out. So I think that might have affected it, too. Yeah. And I think you really this was really a lesson. I think this entire leg was kind of a lesson in keeping your cool on on the race, because that was where almost everybody just got completely messed up. Like where they messed up was when they just got in their own head about it. And the catastrophic. You know, what am I trying to say, Dan? They catastrophized it to the point where it was just like they couldn't get anything done. Well, right, because, you know, OK, you said five numbers, but I think at that point, one, I mean, Nella's tired because she's been swimming all over the place and they're like nervous because, again, double elimination. The last two teams are more nervous because they think that's happening. But I think, yeah, once they kind of said, OK, go back out there. And again, they were the only team there, I believe. So that helped too, because then it's just like, oh yeah, this isn't this is bad at all. But just those nerves up front when you're fighting for it, not knowing at the time 
that no matter really what happened, they were going to at least have a shot in a face-off. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the only team that really never, never questioned their place in the universe this week was Brendan and Connor. And that was because they started out in front and they stayed in front the whole time. Right. Yeah. Cause even you could say, well, they were, they started, they got, I mean, they didn't start in front, but they got to the front and then were on the first plane and said, then win the first face off. And then at that point, it's just like, and also, you know, even though they had to do it a few times on the, um, the values and the course at that point, I mean, they also must've navigated well. Because it seemed like they were just like living in another world, basically, from everyone. Yeah, yeah. And that's also kind of a throwback because I don't feel like we get a lot of that anymore. I think like I'm thinking of specifically Amazing Race US All-Stars. You had a lot of those like Charlotte and Myrna legs where they just get on a flight and be like an entire day ahead of everybody else. (laughs) That's what this felt like, even though it was probably no more than an hour ahead of everybody. Yeah, you don't see that because a lot of times the legs are only a few hours, like we referenced earlier. So when there's the legs only, I mean, I'm not not counting the travel on the plane, but the actual leg when everyone's together and then goes. So then like this week, they didn't show it, but I've been kind of keeping track. And a lot of times everyone's within an hour of each other, which is where they finished. So you don't have how much what are you going to get? Like, wow, we dominated. We beat everyone by six minutes. It's like this time it's like, no, I mean, it's not going to matter next week. But this is kind of how they were in the first few legs of the season, though. Were they like they're good front runners? Were they just kind of like we're good? We're going to keep going. We're going to keep moving fast. And once you're ahead, they didn't really feel the pressure that the other teams did because once you get through the faceoff, they didn't see anybody else the rest of the way. Yeah, and this is really it's curious for me that they had several very good legs up at the front, and then we didn't. We basically didn't see them for about four legs. And then, you know, they get in trouble and then all of a sudden it's like, this is their coming out party. Yeah. Cause they were basically battling against Courtney the last two legs and they finished last, but it was an elimination. Then they survived last week, but it almost seemed like they barely survived at least. I mean, again, editing and all that, but they were second last. So then for them to just be like, Oh, now um, time to get, well, you know what it was. It was them being able to use the phrase in the pocket and have it exactly mm. mean they need to get the pool ball in the pocket. So then they were just like, this is perfect. This is for us. Literally in the pocket. It's like, is in the pocket the opposite of the five hole? <laughs> I don't know. But it's like they get a chance to do that. And it's like, I mean, they're, you know, they're rolling. And obviously it's, I'm sure. <laughs> I love when the teams though get a new task like this one. And they all have to talk about like, you know, how it relates to them and, and then you have, you know, Beverly, like my boyfriend takes me to pool halls all the time. And then these guys, <laughs> I mean, everybody kind of has their own little story. And like Catherine had never played basically in her life. And it doesn't always matter that much. But um, I enjoyed that, too, with like something like this. And those guys, they did. I have a feeling those guys have played at least some form of pool, if not snooker, this type of snooker, Amazing Race Canada snooker, as they call it, um, in their lives. It seems like it. Yeah. and that's. To me, Dan, that is the mark of a great face-off is it is a task where it might help you if you've done it before, but somebody who's never seen it in their life can walk in and still have a shot at winning it. And I think Amazing Race Canada really writes the book on this. There are a lot of times where the U.S. season has just like they think they have to have this in there 
and they don't know how it works or what to do with it or what kind of task makes good television. So they end up having one and then they don't get to air it because it ended up not being interesting. But something like Snooker, like it's it's always a bar game too. Like they've yeah. played darts, they've gone bowling. I think that's the sweet spot. I think it's got to be something you can do in a bar. Yeah, because they I think you know, they did with with or without with or without beverages, right? Yeah, didn't they throw axes or was that <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well that was a task. I can't that remember if that was an actual if it was an actual face off or not. I don't honestly remember. I don't but, think it was. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is kind of the perfect the perfect thing. Like something that you would go in and do for fun anyway, where it would be like friendly stakes. And it makes good television. Yeah, because I think they've done like I think somewhere they did volleyball, and to me that's a little too athletic almost. It's almost like you yeah. need darts or snooker or something. Where even like Jesse seemed to be pretty good at it, but almost like was hitting the ball so solid that he kept scratching, which became a whole thing where yep. he just kept hitting the white ball in. But he seemed a little better at it than some of the other people, but yet seemed to be, according to the edit, just causing them to lose every game. And this was also a face-off that did not follow the normal pattern. They broke the pattern, Jess. They broke the pattern, man. <laughs> I yeah. honestly, I think we do have to dig in a little bit to Jesse and Marika here because this was this was a little hard to watch. Like I, you know, Craig mentioned he felt bad for Marika. I kind of did too. And she has not had a couple. She's had like several weeks in a row where it has not gone well for her, and. I think this is a team that almost kind of the opposite of Brandon and Connor. Like they started out kind of middle of the pack and then they got good and now they've hit adversity and they don't really know how to handle that. Yeah. And I think too, it's, um, he is so like Olympic calm as we've talked about, Yeah, but I think it can be tough. I'm sure because I don't think that she's like way off on the other end. But she's getting frustrated and he's just like, get it done. Let's go. And I'm sure it comes off then like she's even more upset because it's like, I don't I mean, I don't know how to explain it that well, mm -hmm. but it's almost a case where, you know, they're struggling and he's struggling. And it's just like, I mean, the stress, like you even saw Craig say later when they were driving, like he's never experienced this much stress in his life. And I mean, I don't know if that's the case here, but yeah, I mean, for them you know, to do so well. But then again, when you're losing repeatedly in snooker and it's not like all the teams and the teams look fine, but the games were all really close, except for maybe the first one, even that they were ahead. So it's got to just be like the stress is weighing on you. And then you have your partner who's just like, yeah, there's nothing. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't think it's important. He just has a very different mentality. Mm -hmm. It's so I it stands out. Your own stress could compound if your partner was not reacting to what was going on. Like I, I could see there being this like negative feedback loop of like, I'm upset. Why aren't you upset? Am I wrong to be upset? Why aren't you getting upset by this? And then she's just kind of getting upset for both of them. Right. And that's kind of what I was thinking. It's like similar last week when they had the issue, um, when they were setting up the room, mm -hmm. it was one thing. And again, he's, I don't feel like his approach is bad for the amazing race. I think actually it could be very successful, but in terms of sometimes, like you said, where she, she's like, it almost like last week too, same thing where she's like, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it, you know, because again, he's, 
they're not balancing out the stress where both of them are kind of a little bit stressed in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like the reactions they're having are so vastly different to the same input. It's not like there's, it almost feels like there's a the empathy disconnect there. Like he can't even fathom getting upset. And I can see where that would be frustrating as well. Yeah. And at least, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe when the, like later the camera's off and he's just like kicking over trash cans and whatever, and you know, doing crazy stuff, but at least from what we see, it doesn't seem to be the case. But again, when they come in and, and even they have the clip where she's like, we could finish first. This is great. All we got to do is beat Brendan Connor and we're going to finish first this time. And then it's just like, bam. Okay. We're going to be third. Okay. Fourth. Oh, oh. And again, the double elimination, you know, is hanging over them. And then, but to their credit again, though, they did this last week too, where once they kind of pushed through, once they got through this, they went to the final task and all business. Like some teams you would see, that's why the stress doesn't stick. Some teams like they get stressed out. They're just done. Two of them, like even she regrouped and they just powered through and ended up finishing really strong. Yeah. I, I think sometimes it's like the stress descends on you and doesn't let up. And other times it's like, as soon as you're not doing the thing that's stressing you out, you're doing something new and different and that's okay for you. So I really have to commend them for getting it together again at the end. And, you know, even they end up losing the entire face off and they still end up in third place. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's where last week we had talked about, and I was kind of thought thinking they might be the fifth place team because also we were thinking even again this week, we heard Belvin and Veronica say, we haven't won a leg yet. And I was like, okay, here it comes. And then they finished last. So I was thrown off. And even when they lost the face-off, I thought, man, this is this is really tough. This is a tough way for them to go out. And um, it took you kind of sensed that maybe they could come back when they got to the last course, but um it seemed really rough. And again, but that is again, that shows that the leg design was well done, though. Mm-hmm. Because they put the task behind the face-off that if you were good, you could power through it without a problem. Or if you were, I wouldn't even say good, because it doesn't mean Beverly and Veronica were bad. It's just if you were very like, okay, we're going to have to memorize something, pay close attention while having your face in the mud and did everything right, you could you could do well. But it was hard enough where there was a chance a team could pass another team, which is what happened. Yeah. Yeah, it was the leg design, I think maybe across the board this season. I have not had very many quibbles with where things are placed and how they have affected placement. I think there's been a lot of switching things up and I've really, really appreciated that. And like this task itself, like we have seen this exact task, I think with slight modifications, like even on amazing race, Canada is not the first military obstacle course that people have been made to run. They actually did one last season. If I remember correctly, I remember Dave going through, why do I always remember Dave? When I remember last season, there were a lot of cool people last season. Why do I always think that way? But, you know, <laughs> Arthi and Thinesh were doing it. You know, I'm just trying to think of other teams from, from last season. But they did do it. They didn't, I don't think they memorized. But again, it was like same sort of thing. They love this stuff. They love similar things. You know, there's a fireman or doing something is, you know, there's a lot of similar Coast Guard, whatever. This is an amazing race thing. Yeah, it is. It's one of those things like 
it's driving a car really fast around a track. I get, we played all the hits this week. We drove a car really fast around a track. We did a military obstacle course. I mean, what else is there really? It's like if they bungee jumped, they would have hit the trifecta. <laughs> I didn't really enjoy. I mean, I felt bad because, but Beverly and Veronica show up, you know, and, and they're just like, and the people are yelling and they're like, wow, they're so encouraging. And then they're like, why are they yelling at us? And it's like, I mean, cause they just missed it on the clue that you're going to have to memorize something, which in its, in a theory is understandable. Cause it's like, we do an obstacle course. This is pretty hard, but um, I felt bad for them because again, you know, they show up and um, unfortunately, I mean, multiple teams missed. It wasn't just them that missed, but it seemed like they missed multiple times and then um, just couldn't recover. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it, it seemed like the teams that were really successful on the first or second try were the ones where they split it up. Like as soon as they realized you had to memorize things, it's like you take the first four, I'll take the last three. And that seemed to be the winning tactic for everybody. Yeah. And I think also it seemed like the teams that um, went a little slower and I don't mean that in a bad way, but you did kind of notice that um, Catherine and Craig, you know, they were going through and she's like, right away, they're like, she's saying, I have integrity. I have it and saying it out loud and teams repeating things over and over. And the teams that came through the second time did that Jesse and Marika, similar thing where it was like, I don't know. They, they, the teams that did some teams, it's easy to look at this and say, we've got to go as fast as possible. But kind of that slow and steady wins the race and steady is fast. That idea <laughs> ends up working. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a that's an all time great. <laughs> Good one for Nella. No, yeah. but um so yeah, I mean it's interesting. I thought it was interesting overall because it at least made them do two different things. It wasn't all physical. Yeah. I like I like the combination for sure. Cause I never like it when a task is all physical. And the tasks are boring television when they're all mental. So this struck a very good balance in that regard as well. Yeah, because again, it wasn't like um, you just do a puzzle or you just memorize a speech or whatever. It was kind of both. And it had, it was, you know, it's kind of entertaining to watch teams like crawl into this thing and while saying integrity, fairness, honesty. And they're like also jumping through stuff and doing all this weird, you know, not weird very important skills for people in the military, but you know, weird things to do while yelling out and memorizing on a show. Yeah. It's not something that you'd ever have to do in real life. (laughs) So Dan, (laughs) yeah, at least, yeah. Something I personally will never have to do in real life. (laughs) I've done one thing I wanted to point out um, that I thought was funny. We have, I have flagged before that John Montgomery calls Franca and Nella Franella, like, in conversation he called them franca and nella on the mat but at a point where they were at the diving task there everybody had the team name on the side of their trunk and theirs really did say franella like i'm really glad they're committing to the team name bit here (laughs) oh someone had to make that prop someone had to laminate that piece of paper the interesting thing is, too, is like, I mean, did they already know going into the show, like the, the, the production or the production as they started to do better? I guess they wanted to wait because they didn't know how far Fernella would get. But um, I like the I like the commitment, though. There's um, there's, you know, no half measures here. We're, we're just we're all in with um, Team Fernella all the way to the finish, maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they auditioned with Team Fernella already yeah. in place. So. 
they knew that Fresnella could go on like all of their stuff, but you just never see anybody. You never see an amazing race host or production team acknowledging that a team has nicknamed themselves. I think they're, they're always so cool about like, you can't nickname yourself, but John Montgomery is like, you can nickname yourself all you want. I will support you in your decision. Maybe this is the new John. Like, yeah, you wouldn't have seen him come in and be like team giver. <laughs> team number four be like really no no he's gonna call them their names you know so so maybe john has changed it up a little bit yeah meanwhile i feel like bo ryan is probably nicknaming the people for them <laughs> he's just nicknaming the people he's talking to that are like there on the mat with them yeah like oh hey what's your name i'm gonna call you this the person's like please don't talk to me i can't believe we have to be here for six hours please go away <laughs> So I, I admit I really enjoy those moments because the show, I mean, you can tell he's like probably saying a hundred things and they figure out what to edit, but um, I don't know. It just gives that show its own kind of weirdness, which I enjoy. Yeah, I feel like there are subtle gradations of weirdness across Amazing Race hosts. Like, it is always rare and surprising when when Phil is like relating to the other contestants like as human beings and they sort of have moments that have nothing to do with what's going on or in the secret mat scenes when teams roll up and Phil tries to run the same joke on every team <laughs> and it lands poorly every time. Like that was maybe my favorite thing last season. Um, and then you have John who's just like, he's kind of goofy about it. He's like, I'm going to call you by your nickname. And then you have Bo who's completely unhinged. I, I think it's a really, it's a really interesting study in how each one of these hosts has managed to make it their own. Yeah. I mean, Bo's big thing is he hugs everybody no matter what it's like, yeah, you just finished 12th. You've been running around this hot sun. Bring it in, bring it in. Yeah. But Dan, that's 12th out of 32. So that's, (laughs) that is true. And we did great. (laughs) We're the top (laughs) third, but um, yeah, I enjoy it. And I enjoy kind of getting the, yeah, the the quirks. Cause yeah, you, you know, with Phil, for example, like with the, with like a joke, the one team that laughs really hard, that's the one they put in the show. He's like, if only one, if I can get one, that'll be the five seconds when they walk in and I'll look so funny. That That's Phil's idea. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> um, well, should it, I, oh, go ahead. It's working for him. They just like, they told on him. They told on him last season when they showed him doing the same joke twice. <laughs> well, I will say that I, I have to mention it. Brendan O'Connor win a trip to New Zealand. I mean, nice. Okay. Nice. But, 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 but they not only win that, they get $3,500 to Marshalls. Wow. All right. Well, Dan, I think now is the time. You got to give me the full rundown. What are the Marshalls gift card totals as of tonight? Well, Marshalls gift cards, this actually proves, I think, that my math is correct. The total for the season, $25,000. That feels like an amount that they would do as a total. I don't think any, I would love it if people got to the mat at the end and John goes through the whole thing they win and he's like, and a hundred thousand to Marshalls. Whoa. Yeah. The the prize this, this season is $250,000. What we didn't tell you is that it's in Marshalls gift cards. (laughs) Be like even better. We're so excited. No. So here's the, here's the final leaderboard. Catherine and Craig, 4,500. Very nice. Jesse and Marika, 6,500. Brunella, 6,500. And coming out from nowhere, Brendan and Connor, $7,500 in Marshall's gift cards. They win. They already won the season. It doesn't matter now. 
Yeah, they've taken home all the marshals. <laughs> so many pillows. Oh my goodness. Yeah, they definitely you can you can have options now. You're definitely gonna be able to find a pillow that matches your chair now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, how many That's- breezy, how many breezy squirts is this? <laughs> yes, they can. That's all I will say. Yes, they can. Indeed. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, now we're at the end of the leg, so I think it's. I think we now we gotta throw down our predictions for the for the finale. All right. Would you like me to give my prediction first? Yes, I would. Okay. I think Catherine and Craig are gonna win, and I think it's not because I think they're the like they've been the best racers and all that. It's actually been very balanced. We've had you know three wins for several teams. They've won. I think it's like. Three three two two as far as the leg wins, if that's if I'm right on that, which is crazy. But I think they have the story. I felt it for a while. It really feels like that's their story. I think second, then from there, I think you're going. It's hard to say for sure. I think Fernella probably is going to may have a strong finish. Then I'd say Brendan O'Connor and Jesse and Marika. But I think I feel the strongest about. I think Catherine and Craig are going to win the season now. There is the small chance that their story is not we won. This is a great story. Their story is we did every leg. There is a chance that is it. I think there's a decent chance. So I could be wrong. Their story could just be we want to experience the entire race. We experienced all of it beyond the two weeks we were gone. But we experienced all the rest. And that's cool. So what do you think? Do you think that that is their story? Or is their story we experienced all this and then we triumphed at the end? Honestly, Dan, I think I'm with you. I think it is a Catherine and Craig win. Just reading the edit and thinking about like who has had the most like spotlight moments, who has this the most compelling story. And, you know, sometimes we have seen Amazing Race Canada really struggling to cobble together a compelling story for the winning team. And this time it was like given to them on a silver platter. But I give me a quiz on who these teams are and what they're, you know, what are their, what is their background? What are they, you know, what are their families like? What do they like to do? How do they know each other? I think I know the most about Catherine and Craig and that's what I always base it on. Like who's gotten the most personal story bump. And I feel like you can just go right down the line. I think after that is Fernella, Brendan and Connor disappeared entirely for like three entire legs. So I think they're right out of it. Sorry, George, um, your prediction. I don't think it's going to come true. Um, but and Jesse and Marika also kind of back of the pack for a, a long time, at least when you're considering the edit. So I think we get a Catherine and Craig win or, you know, Dark Horse Fernella win, which I would also absolutely love to see. Yeah, their moment this week when they just you could see how much it meant to them when they thought they might be eliminated. When um, John said, you know, we only take three teams. I mean, oh. I knew they were going to be okay because he paused and that's what happened, but I felt for it. And that to me, I mean, you know, they've shown that they're, you know, they're willing to use game moves and all that and really want to win and the Alliance thing, whatever. But um, you see that and you're like, oh, I'm totally rooting for them. I've been rooting for them all season. doesn't mean I'm not rooting for Catherine and Craig. This is kind of one of those like, and it's not like if one of the other teams win, I'd be like, man, that team. No, they're, <laughs> they're good. They're fine. There's no team where I'm like, and I'll include Bellamy and Veronica in this too, even though they didn't make it. But I'm not going to look and be like, oh, not them. Not them. Or the other flip side is, 
oh my gosh, this team's so boring. In a few seasons, I'm going to have to look up what their names are, which I just did for one team, um, you know, from a certain season. The Gino so, and Jesse Memorial Award. Not Gino and Jesse, though. It's always that season five team that I always forget their names. You know, um, the team which you picked because you thought they looked kind of boring and they won. But it's like, <laughs> um, and again, I had to look it up. And now I'm like, wait, did I read that one? I think it's okay. Sam and Paul. Is that I have right? no recollection of Sam and Paul whatsoever. Yeah, that's the one I always forget. You know, because I remember the ones around them, Steph and Kristen, Adam and Courtney. I remember last season, Gina and Jesse, because we talk about it every five seconds. But that's the season I always forget. There's no team like that this season. I Any of them could work. I just, reading the story, I think we're, I think we're right. Or, you know, we're right or not. And I'm also thrilled because the two teams we think are going to win, Team Dan. Team Dan, yeah, they're both yeah. on Team Dan. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you 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 need a win one of these times, Dan. I'll also base it on the fact that um, another tell, and this kind of we're stepping away from like we're breaking the fourth wall here for a second. But another tell is, it, which team is throwing a finale party? And <laughs> I wasn't wasn't going to bring that up, but yes, <laughs> I, I'm 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 going to bring it up. I don't care. Um, Catherine and Craig are throwing a finale party, so I'm sure there will be other racers there, but they're throwing it. And they might be using some of their Marshall's gift cards to buy party decorations. Um, yes, but I, that does add to it. But to me, I feel like if that was the only thing, you'd be like, huh, that's weird. But combined, I mean, that's a, that just adds, I feel like, to the evidence we already have, right? Yeah, I think, I think so. <laughs> So, Dan, let's do a few listener questions. But before we do that, let's take a little break and hear from all the people that make this possible. We're back. Those were great commercials. Thank you, commercials. Now, let's see what we got for questions. A little bit lighter on the questions this week, but some good ones nonetheless. Sure. So here's a really interesting question that came from Trevor which I hadn't really considered when we talked a little bit about memory challenges in the past. With some teams missing legs due to COVID, how do you handle creating a final memory challenge? Would you try to keep it fair by only pulling for the legs everyone ran? Or make it like, oh, you got to... I don't think this last part is true, but oh, you got to skip a few legs, so you'll have a harder final <laughs> task in lieu of what you missed. You know, that, that's where, you know, we're talking like Challenge USA territory here with <laughs> finale, you know, with what, which I've still distracted i'm going to start podcasting about that because i just watched it an hour ago but really um what do you think about this because this this is big because Catherine and craig were not in every leg all the other teams were can you even do a memory challenge Jess? well that's an interesting thing dan because i think this is something that we have encountered in the past with memory challenges where you will notice that a lot of memory challenges do not call upon any task that was a detour because you might not have done that half of the detour, and so you would not remember that thing. And honestly, the way that this race was structured and the fact that some teams missed out on entire legs due to COVID, I don't think we're getting a memory task. I think we'll get something else, like something logic puzzle adjacent. But I cannot see a world in which you can make any coherent story out of this memory challenge because we were all over the map. Like we literally, we hopped back and forth between Alberta and British Columbia for the first entire half of the race. And then we were using Toronto as like the hub of our spokes. 
for the rest of it. So there's no there's no around the world to this race, is I guess what I'm saying. There's no even around Canada. Yeah, it can't be like, okay, name all the legs where we happen to end up in Ontario, you know, just, yeah. and put them in order. It's like, I don't know. There's a lot of them. Cause like, really, it like went, like you said, went to British Columbia, went back the other way, came back. I mean, I don't know. It went back and forth a few times. So, um, it maybe it'll be some sort of, oh, some sort of math task. And we hope for more math. Yeah. Maybe there will be math. You know, they've done math on Amazing Race US in the final leg before. And I think, it contributed to the win. Yes. So what other questions do we have here? Um, well, this was something you alluded to, Dan, early on in this podcast. And I want to come back to it now because this is a little bit tinfoil hatty and I love me some tinfoil hats. So uh, Laura on Facebook says, my husband works out of an airport in the area of the leg at Collingwood. And he noticed right away that the weather in Oshawa looked sketchy. Then that there were no scenes of teams in the planes. So 100% they just drove maybe in a van or something to Tobermore instead of flew about a three and a half hour drive. Dan, what do you think of that? Well, that, that question is at fault for me continuing to say the wrong word instead of say plane because <laughs> it got in my brain. Laura like incepted <laughs> it into my brain and I kept saying they drove somewhere. But no, I mean, I had seen that, but it, and it does make sense because we didn't see Normally, they'd be like they'd show them getting on the plane or off the plane because also, too, you can see them look out the window or they're like, oh, Beverly and Veronica are like, oh, Fernella's on our plane or whatever. And we didn't see any of that. So um, I wouldn't I mean, I don't know if I'd say 100 percent. It could also be editing, but um, I think there's a good chance that was what happened. Yeah, I'd, I'd buy it for a dollar. Um there's always those like especially if you're in a small plane i feel like you get those shots of like them looking out the window oh this is such an incredible view we're so lucky to be here and we got none of that because nobody is ever lucky to be in a van (laughs) this is a great view of this van oh i i love these seats this is this is wonderful tinted windows oh look the windows don't open all the way we're so lucky to be here in this van the air conditioning doesn't really work. It's, it's great. It doesn't get to the back row. You know, that's how vans usually are. Um, yeah. So I think, I think it's possible for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. What else we got, Dan? Well, <laughs> Edward Giordano has, when this new segment we call Edward Giordano asks the question about casting and what we think, asks, what is the one casting combo you'd like to see more of on The Amazing Race? Um, I've got a good answer for this, Dan, actually. I want to see more cousins. Really? Yes. Because I feel like we've gotten really iconic cousin teams in the past. And it's similar to having a sibling team, but it's also, I think you get some familiarity. It's like you're closer than actual friends, but maybe not as close as siblings it's kind of an interesting sweet spot and so many people i think grow up with like a cousin who's close in age to them and practically on the sibling trail like this is how my son is growing up with his cousins like they live very nearby and they're always together and you know you have that you have that one cousin you can hang out with at family events all the time um or at the very least like extended family members because we have so many parent children teams we have so many sibling teams 
We had an uncle and nephew this season, which I feel like is pretty rare. And there's even an aunt and a niece on Amazing Race Australia. I'd like to see more of that, too. I'm with you on that. I like the uncle-nephew um, combination, even though we didn't get to see that much of them because um COVID and then miniature golf course. Mm-hmm. But in general, I thought that was interesting. There was a Cousins team on Amazing Race Australia last season who yep. got eliminated, then came back, of course, after the, the first leg. But like they were do. really fun. I, I like them. Um, I thought they were a fun team to watch. And so that's kind of what I was going going for. I didn't think, I was thinking more just more family in general, but not just the typical, like we talked about when it came about mother's son, where we see a lot of father, daughter, and then we see brothers, sisters. Those are all good. We see those pretty often, but I like with Amazing Race Canada, especially that with family or just in other cases, just having different, different relationships, not like different relationships, meaning they don't know each other. I don't really, don't really love that, but just something different and they're willing to try and not follow the same archetype. So that's what I, I appreciate that. And I think us is starting to get there. This season's cast seems a little better, but I feel like just um, a diversity of casting with culture, but also with relationship. And I feel like Canada has done that pretty well and hopefully we'll continue to do that. Yeah. Here's hoping. Um, I would also, this is a relationship. I, and I think we have to work on the Chiron for this, Dan, but I, I feel like this has drama potential. If you've got a team of two people who are both very, very close friends with the same person, but they only ever hang out because they have this one person in common. And now they're running the race together to either figure out what they have in common outside of their mutual friend or to figure out who is actually this person's best friend. <laughs> that is good. So now you just introduce a lot of things like people that are like have cubes next to each other at work, but don't really like each other that much, but they've mm-hmm. like sat next to each other for 10 years. Work spouses. <laughs> oh yes. There's the, that's where you really, you just got to get a little more creative here with, you know, just like um lunch person that serves someone food at work for like 10 years, you know, yeah, they don't customer really know and other. regular. <laughs> yeah. I've bought coffee for this person forever. They don't really know my name. You know, I mean, Oh, we're, this also feels like stuff they do in Australia, but um, <laughs> I don't need to pick on them, but it's just, um, there's a lot of options, especially when you go up to 18 teams. I mean, who knows? You can do all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, Amazing Race Australia basically just, um, they just gave you two teams of everything, but <laughs> you could be more creative than that, I think. And I do not mean to make this the Amazing Race Australia podcast, but I am, like this is like the one time you know the last two seasons it's been like i want a podcast about it but i can't keep up i actually am caught up and i'm kind of dying to talk about it but i don't know where that fits into the podcasting calendar now that we're on like nine of it yeah so, i've only watched three episodes so i i'm like i'm like gosh man i just can't i just can't catch up with it and now yeah like you said not even just podcasting, you got Survivor and Amazing Race starting. And I know those are only once a week. I mean, and they're only 40 minutes. I mean, thank you. That's actually <laughs> kind of nice. But, um, you know, it's tough to keep up with. But um, there's definitely um, a lot of things happening on the show that are crazy. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, so I'm, I'm just kind of starved to have people to talk about it with. 
knowing I can't podcast about it and being the only person outside of Australia who's actually caught up on it. <laughs> um, I should mention quickly the Go RVing Canada YouTube subscribers check. It went up another 10 people. 2.46,000. Oh my gosh. Again, I said it the wrong way again. 2,460 people. We started at 2,410 approximately because of the weird way YouTube does things. And, you know, I want to see it go up to 2.47 before next week. Come on, people. There's lots of great John Montgomery content on there. There's no more for me to watch. I've seen them all. Yeah, you're going to have to start at the top again, Dan, and binge it. <laughs> start taking notes about places I can go to, like, have um beers and eat cheese yep i'm gonna keep a spreadsheet of all the beers in all the canadian towns <laughs> that's what i'm gonna do just like well we have the podcast but dan is currently podcasting from pei now dan is somewhere else <laughs> you know i and i would go on this beer tour but i think i would stay in a hotel sorry go rv in canada i don't think i'd actually go rving me neither actually <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, you know, what? Are you going to sleep in a tent? I mean, I'm sure there's a good deal on Priceline or somewhere, you know? Come on. 40 bucks, yeah. 50 bucks, I, I can do it. I don't even think I could glamp. I don't know. That place they stayed at was pretty nice. I think I could do yeah, that. Yeah, maybe I could do that. <laughs> but it probably costs more than a hotel. Oh, that's, I don't even know what that costs. It had to be a lot. Yep. Well, all right, Dan, what's, what else is going on in the podcasting world for you? Well, I did release my episode about the D23 Expo where Disney announced <laughs> almost nothing. Nothing really. <laughs> they brought out a weird Hulk. I mean, Mandalorian and Grogu are going to be at Disneyland. That's pretty cool. But overall, I wasn't as mad as some, but some Disney fans are ready to just like get out the pitchforks and, uh, you know, go chop off Bob Chapek's new beard. I mean, they're they're going fully on. But I did a podcast for about an hour and a half about the, the news and lack thereof of the D23 Expo on the Tomorrow Society podcast. It was fun. I like doing it. So you should check it out. It's wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Tomorrow Society if you are into Disney or the parks. Now, feel free to tell me to go listen to the podcast. But so Mando and Grogu are going to be at Disneyland. Are they character encounters? That's the way I understand it. Because a few months ago, they added Boba Fett and Fennec Shan from that series, the book of Boba Fett. But them, they just walk around Galaxy's Edge. They don't have like a, a line. They just wander the marketplace. So you always see people taking videos where just Boba Fett looks really scary and they follow him. But I think they, are, they would have to do some sort of line with Mandalorian and Grogu. Or else it's just like, they're going to show up and like thousands of people are just going to tackle them and stuff. So I'm guessing it's yeah. some sort of mean greet, but it's like in November. So it's pretty soon, but only in California, they don't like Florida. So they only do the really cool stuff in California. Understand well, they gotta, they're test marketing stuff, but is Grogu going to be a puppet or is he going to be a person in a full suit? And is he going to be as big as Mando? No, he's not that big. When they show, at least the version they showed, they brought him on stage. John Favreau was there to introduce it. They brought him on stage and Mando walked out and then he like lifted up his bag and like little Grogu. So it's some sort of, I don't know if it's a puppet or some sort of like animatronic, like basic animatronic. So I, I like that better than what I was picturing, which it's was not a giant Grogu, giant Grogu. Honestly, no, I want giant Grogu because I really want to hug it. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know if they'll let you. You'd probably be able to like like touch the finger or something. I know we're really going. <laughs> I didn't get into this on the show though. I talked about it, but I did not talk about giant Grogu's. This is totally different. Well, good. This is bonus material for people who are also Tomorrow Society listeners. I feel like I'm 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 inspiring you to go deeper. Um, so. I, this week, have been over on Post Show Recaps. We've been breaking down the last two episodes of Tales of the Walking Dead. A a season did not really finish strong, but we still had quite a lot to say about it. And the whole panel was there. Josh Wiggler was there, AJ Mass, and Chappelle and I all talked about what we thought of those last two episodes. And it was a broad spectrum of opinions, which I love when that happens. Like, I feel like the best podcasts are when somebody likes it and somebody hates it. You can get a spirited debate and there aren't stakes that hurt people's feelings. So if you want to check that out, you can go over to pushyourrecaps.com and we will be starting up regular coverage of Walking Dead very, very soon. And of course, um, amazing race coverage for the United Statesian version. That is kicking off as well. We did a cast preview, a very off-the-cuff, spur-of-the-moment cast preview happened with Rob Sesternino and Mike Bloom and myself, which in which we based all of our predictions on about a minute of footage per team. So that should be interesting. I can't wait to see how wrong we are, but over on robspodcast.com in the main feed and in the Amazing Race feed, which, you know, dollars to donuts, that's where you're hearing this very podcast. So maybe you've already heard it, but if not, go check that out amazing race us premieres next wednesday and we will be on the main feed to cover everything and dan i got to get you in on something we're doing for amazing race but i don't know what that will be yet well that'll be fun i um i think i need to listen to the rest of the preview that you did so that i know about the teams because all i know right now is derek from big brother and rex ryan and not that excited about rex ryan so it'll be it'll be fun to catch up so that i know which teams like because the the ex Mike Bloom and you are really good at picking teams. Rob, not so much. Rob so is the I'm, Dan of that podcast. <laughs> yes, basically. You know, I was thinking like me, I wasn't on it, so that the predictions are probably going to be much better than usual. So you should really <laughs> listen to the predictions because I always bring down the bring down the level a little bit. Well, I guess we'll find out how we did. Um, we didn't have very much to go on, and I'm hoping that we get like completely blindsided by at least one thing because that's what keeps it fun. And so I think everywhere else on the RJP network, pretty much any non-scripted show that you are watching, we got something to cover for it. And this week, I wanted to tell you especially about the Wrestling Rehab Up, which is hosted by Matt Scott and Mari Forth. They are back with the premiere of their sixth season this week. And Chappelle, who I just did a Walking Dead podcast with, who is on literally every podcast ever. Seriously, that guy's What Else Are You Doing This Week? takes 15 minutes to go through. But he's going to be on this week. And... Um, you can find all of our rehab up things over on rehab ups feed, but uh, pro wrestling and the shows that we love have so much in common, including memorable characters, whimsical outfits, over the top storylines, big moves. Matt and Mari make it easy and fun to follow along with all the pro wrestling action from the week. And they include a handy playlist of highlights in their show notes. So if you want to just re- check out that one, you can go to robhaswebsite.com slash wrestling feed. And again, robhaswebsite.com slash rehab ups feed for all of the fine rehab ups content. And Rob has a website.com slash nothing after the slash if you just want to go and see what we have across the board. And I think we want to close out this podcast now on a little bit of a more somber note, Dan. Um, we were informed this week that um, the Amazing Race community has lost one of their own. Um, Elias of Amazing Race Canada 3 passed away 
this past week at the age of 34. I believe his thing, he was on romance novel covers. He was a mixed martial artist and he's going to be very missed, I, th- I believe. Yeah, I found it interesting that he also campaigned successfully for the use of medicinal marijuana, which it was an ESPN article that I saw. So he was kind of known for that, for kind of helping to push the sport forward in terms of how they looked at that. So um, it's 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 really too bad, um, you know, being so young and just, um, I know they were only on an episode of Amazing Race 3, but I even referenced them earlier this season. So still, still remembered. Yeah, the wrongest I've ever been about predicting a team's progress. I thought for sure they were a finalist material and they lasted one episode. But Elias was one of those racers where it was like he was so well known in Canada that it, and and beyond that people didn't even remember that he was on The Amazing Race. So he's like up in Tom's Shoes territory. Um, so this is a very this is a very big loss and so young. It's really it's quite sad. So uh, our hearts go out to his family and friends for sure. So I guess that brings us to the end of our program. Um, Thanks very much, Dan, for joining me once again to break down everything that happened this week. We have one week left of Amazing Race Canada, and we hope you'll all join us next week to send us home. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to everybody behind the scenes who helps get this podcast out. And we'll see you next week.